TorahCafe.com. So they say that everything is a matter of perspective. Everything is a matter of perspective, and it's very true. There's actually an entire chapter in Tanya which focuses on how a person can change their reality simply by the way they see the reality, the way we understand and perceive the reality. So the fact that things are a matter of perspective is absolutely very, very true. And what we also, every one of us knows in this room to be absolutely true is that every single one of us has darkness in our lives. And what I mean by darkness is when we have situations which are challenging or difficult. They're dark. We don't know what to do. It's weighing heavily on us. We feel challenged. We feel oppressed. We feel like we're in the dark. That's true for every single human being. There isn't a human being that can possibly go through life without having darkness in their life. And so what's most important in dealing with our darkness, which we all have, is to have a healthy perspective on what darkness is. And that's the beginning of the entire discussion of illuminating our darkness. If we don't have a healthy perspective of what our darkness is, there is no way we're going to be able to get through our darkness in a very productive way. So we have to understand what the Torah teaches us about darkness. And it's very interesting because the Torah gives us tremendous insight in darkness. The first thing is a very simple observation. The simple observation is this. When a person gazes at blinding light, what happens to them? They become blinded. You become blinded. You suddenly find yourself in the dark. So what's fascinating is that when we have tremendous light, we suddenly find ourselves in the darkness. Interesting. That itself already tells us something about darkness. That darkness actually has a very deeply rooted association with light. In fact, the Talmud, interestingly, when it discusses or talks about a blind person, the way it describes a blind person is someone who is a sagi nahar, someone who has an enormous amount of light, an abundance of light. That's how the Talmud refers to a blind person. There were rabbis in the Talmud who were blind, and we refer to them as sagi nahar, blind. Or even more interestingly, whenever the Talmud wants to use a euphemism, like it wants to refer to the fact that the Jewish people were cursed, but it doesn't want to actually emit such words, so it says the Jewish people were blessed. What it's really saying is the Jewish people were cursed, but it doesn't want to say that, so it uses what the Talmud calls a term, belashon sagi nahar, a term of enormous light. Because we know enormous light creates darkness. So you just flip around the phrase from blessed to cursed. In other words, we see very clearly that darkness and light have a very deep association. And so when we encounter darkness, what we are actually encountering is a tremendous possibility for light. Tremendous possibility for light. The problem that we all have, countless times, I've spent hours, days, maybe even years if I were to count it up, um, in, in a state of darkness. And what happens when we're in a state of darkness is we suddenly find ourselves in a situation where we actually cannot get out of the darkness. We don't know what to do. 
And, but if we prepare ourselves to understand what darkness is before we find ourselves in that state of darkness, then we can actually save ourselves from that situation. And here's another very interesting thing. If we follow history, we just go back to the creation, and we follow history all the way until today, what we find is something very fascinating in the state of, the spirit, of spirituality of the world. And that is that we find that the spirituality of the world actually continues to decrease with time. Meaning, spiritually, it seems very clear that we are getting darker and darker as time is going on. For example, um, there was a creation of the world. There was God-created light. We will jump, let's say, to the time of the giving of the Torah, an enormous amount of light given to us. The building of the temple where the Jewish people were able to feel tangibly the presence of God. The second temple where they felt it less. Then we go into a stage where we no longer have a temple. And here we are today where we struggle every single day to actually feel the presence of God. We, we interact with God. We do many things to connect with God. But very often we're completely dark about really being aware of the presence of God. We're in a very, very dark place. And yet we're told at the same time that history has a destiny. And the destiny is that as time goes on, we are getting closer and closer to the Messianic era, to the coming of the Messiah, of Mashiach. Right? And what is going to happen when Mashiach comes? One thing is going to happen. That is the only thing that really is what's going to cause everything else that will happen when Mashiach comes. That one thing is, God's presence will be revealed in the world. That's what's going to happen. That is the one's transformation that will take place. But we all ask ourselves, and people ask me this all the time, how can you say that we are closer to the time of Mashiach if the world is getting darker and darker and darker? And that is a fantastic question. Because clearly if we look at the world the way we see it, simply with our physical eyes, we are not getting closer to an, a, a time of illumination, of God being revealed. We're getting further. And here's what we need to remember. Darkness is inherently associated with light. And the deeper the darkness, the deeper the, deeper the light is that is rooted in it. And so as time goes on and we see greater and greater darkness, while it becomes more challenging for us, it is telling us that we are getting closer and closer to an enormous revelation, to an enormous illumination. There's a story that inspires me tremendously, which I've shared in the past. Um, there was a Chabad rabbi, a shliach in South America, uh, many years ago, he was working on a project and something he wanted to achieve in his community. And it was something that kept on ha uh, he kept on encountering struggle after struggle and obstacle after obstacle. And it was very, very challenging for him. And he was always questioning whether he should continue doing this or not. And, but he continued because he knew it was the right thing. He continued, continued, continued. And he got very close to achieving what he wanted to achieve. But at that point, when he was at the brink of achieving it, suddenly he encountered an obstacle greater than any obstacle before. And it was at that point that he literally was ready to throw in the towel and say, this is it, enough is enough, he just can't continue. And he said, you know what, this is actually, it's actually a sign from God that I probably shouldn't be doing this, because why would God throw such an enormous obstacle at me at such a crucial time? And so therefore, 
he wrote a letter to the Rebbe. And he said, you know, I've been working on this for years, obstacle after obstacle, challenge after challenge, and here I have this obstacle that just hit me, which is bigger than any other before, right at the brink of my success with this project, and I'm just realizing this is probably something I shouldn't be doing. And the Rebbe responded to him and said, you know that the closer you get to achieving this achievement, which is an enormous achievement in the world of goodness and spirituality and godliness, the forces of negativity get stronger and stronger in stopping you, in blocking you from doing this. And he said, you know you're at the brink of success. You know that, right? And that's why you're so frustrated. And here you see this enormous challenge. This is literally the last effort that negativity is going to make to stop you from achieving this. And can you imagine if you would now stop and let negativity in its last effort a win over you? What a failure that would be. Just hold out a little bit more and, and you will see that you will overcome this obstacle as well. And what he was telling you was something really profound, and that is that the darker it is, the greater the possibility there is, the greater the light there is. And this man continued and actually achieved it. Where does this perspective come from? It's, it sounds very nice, right? And again, I will say we can all be very pessimistic, especially when we're in the dark, because that is the place we're in. We just, we're just feeling like, like there's no possibility, which is why we need to have this perspective before we go into darkness, and we need certain anchors and people around us to help us not get lost in that darkness. But how do we know this? Well, we actually know this from the very beginning of creation. Right at the outset of the creation of the world, God has defined that this is exactly the way God made the world. He structured it exactly this way. The Torah tells us, Vayikra Elohim la'ar yom, that God called to light day, v'lachoshach karalayla, and to darkness he called night. So God called light day, he called darkness night, and then the Torah says, Vayihi erev, vayihi voker yom echad. And it was evening, it was morning, day one. Now if you follow that verse, even half critically, there's something very strange about it. It starts by saying, it, there was, God created light, and he called it day. Darkness called it night, and then he flips it, and he says it was evening first, and then morning. Creates light, then darkness, and then says it was evening, and then morning. What is God telling us with this? God's telling us a very simple message, a message that we cannot afford to miss. And the message is, that even though light always comes first, because it's always about light, but when you are discovering light in your life, you have to know that it's going to start with a night. You never experience real profound light unless you're going through a darkness first. It's guaranteed. Easy come, easy go. If you have light that comes easily into your life, you know it's not going to stick around very long. It's only going to stick around. The quality of the light is determined by the challenge that preceded it. The darkness that came before it. And so God says, yes, there's light and day, and there's darkness and night. But you want to know the order of how it's going to play out in your life? What, you, what is your day going to look like? It's going to be night before it's going to be. It, it, before, before it's going to be day. It has to be that way. Sometimes the darkness is very dark. Sometimes the night is very dark. Sometimes, it's, sometimes you have a full moon. 
Sometimes you have no moon, right? We pray for the full moons. Of course we do. We're not looking for the challenge. But whatever it is that God ultimately sends to us, we need to see it that way. We need to see it that way for two reasons. Number one is we don't have a choice. That's the reality. We don't have a choice. But number two is because then we understand the purpose of it. Instead of looking at it and feeling completely lost in why I'm a victim of this light, we're empowered to say, God's giving me something strong and I'm going to take this on because I can do something with it. There's another very interesting observation um, in the account of creation. And that is that God tells us in, in every single step of creation, you know, we say that God said, let there be. And what does it say after let there be? It always says, by yehi chain, and so it was. Let there be a firmament. There was a firmament. By yehi chain, and so it was. Let there be animals. By yehi chain, and so it was. There's only one time in creation where God uses a different terminology. God says, um, yehi or let there be light. And what does the Torah say right after that? It doesn't say, Vayihi chain, and so it was. It says, Vayihi or, and there was light. Let there be light. And God doesn't say, and so it was, but, and there was light. And the Zohar, the great mystical book, the Zohar, teaches us a very important lesson about this. The Zohar tells us that when it says, and there was light, it's telling us, about a unique and special light that was embedded in creation at the very outset. You know, when we study creation, many people have a very obvious question. The very obvious question is, on the fourth day of creation, why did God create the sun and the moon? Right? So what was the light that God created on the first day? The sun and the moon was the light was given to us on the fourth day. What was God creating on the first day? And the answer is, and this is what the Zohar tells us and why, why the Torah tells us God said, let there be light and there was light. The light that God created on the first day was different than the light we experience every single morning, than the light we see coming through the window right now. The light God created on the first day wasn't the physical light we experienced, but it was what we call the Or Haganos, the hidden light. There is a hidden light which is so powerful that it's too powerful for us to experience. In fact, it's such a powerful light that it's a light that we only experience at certain times in, throughout history. It's a light that we experienced when God split the sea. We suddenly saw an exposure of God's presence in this unbelievable, miraculous, miraculous way. It's actually such a powerful light that it's a light that we can't even understand. It's a light that people today deny even took place, that there was even a splitting of the sea, because our minds can't comprehend it, because we become blinded by it, because our senses, we don't have senses to be able to absorb it and appreciate it. And so it actually puts us in a state, a certain state of darkness from the enormous illumination. It's the same light that the Jewish people experienced when the walls of Jericho uh, crumbled down. It's the same light that the Jews experienced when Joshua held up the sun so they can finish the battle they were in. It's the same, ba- it's the same illumination that we experienced during the Six-Day War. It's all the same light that's revealed like a blitz at certain moments in history. That's exactly what happens. Suddenly God reve- we see this light. But what we're trying to do every single day is actually help this light become absorbed in the world. And the only way we can do that is not through blitzes and not through great miracles, but through uh, uh, trudging through 
the darkness of our lives and slowly bringing this very light into our lives and into our experience. This, again, is the very reason why the part of our eye that takes in light so that we can see is the pupil. And the pupil is the darkest part of our eye. Because light and darkness are deeply associated. That is the whole message. The message is that darkness and light are deeply associated. And when we're experiencing darkness, we have to realize that we are experiencing an enormous opportunity for light. This uh, past Wednesday night, I was at a wedding. And I have this, uh, these thoughts go through my head by every wedding I attend. You see a couple walking down the aisle. You can see their joy and excitement, the sentiment of the moment. You can see the hope, the future, the promise that lies within the two of them as they look at each other. And you just see an enormous, romantic, loving, glorious future, right? And that's what you see them seeing, right? But then you see, watch everyone at the chuppah. And there are all different types of people observing this couple. And some people are thinking, oh, how, how so naive. <laughs> if only they would know. <laughs> if they're lucky, we'll give them a week. If they're not so lucky, a couple of days. Right? And suddenly what happens? Life sets in. Of course life sets in. Right? And suddenly what they were feeling under the chuppah is not so easy to feel anymore. Right? And some people may even feel so naive and so foolish that you even think that such a reality exists in the world. Some people look at them and they look at them and they say, they have a yearning, like, I wish I can go back to that place right now. I just wish I can just be right back there in that place. I wish I was floating on cloud nine and life was just so wonderful and beautiful and so full of love and connection and everything that we are yearning for. Right? And the reality is, the reality is this. That couple, we, and every single couple in the world, there's only one reality for all of us. And that is, yes, we start at that very tremendous high, and then we enter into the reality of life. And that reality of life brings us right down, grounds us very quickly. But the truth of the matter is this. We can be back there. We can be here where we were when we were standing under the chuppah, but what we need to do is go through the challenges in order to achieve that. Some people enter into the darkness and they say there's no hope for this. And they say, forget it. We're just going to live side by side and hopefully we won't yell at each other too much through, the, through, the, you know, uh, through our relationship. And some people, even, unfortunately, they have to drop out. And some people where the possibility is truly there, they say there's no dropping out. I know that in this darkness there is enormous light. And I know that if I stick this out and I find the way through this darkness, that it's going to bring me closer together than any couple under a chuppah. And that that love is going to be real, mature love that came through the challenge that was put before me. Why? Because I know that when God created the world, the darkness that he created was embedded with a deep, profound light. A light that's so powerful that today, without my experience, without my going through the challenges, I can't absorb it. 
That hidden light, it's not possible for me to actually absorb. Now, I, don't, I am not a, a mature enough vessel to absorb it, but I do know that through going through these experiences that God lays out for me, showing me that there are experiences that I can deal with, that I can bring out, I can bring out within myself the ability to develop a mature vessel that can experience this enormous light. Sometimes we live in regret, you know, especially someone celebrating a birthday, so you can think, you know, I wish this, I wish that. Here's the reality. The reality is, I cannot experience, I could not have experienced 10 years ago what I experienced today. I could not have loved my children 10 years ago as I love them today. It's not possible. I wasn't there, I wasn't here then. I just wasn't. I didn't have the experiences. I didn't work it through yet. And so there's no, there's no reason to regret. The only reason to regret is if I, got, if I get lost in my darkness and I forget the tremendous opportunity that lies in, the, in every moment of darkness that God gives us. You know, um, if you look at, in media, right, what's uh, entertainment, right? Someone's going to make a play or a movie or write a book, right? What do we always do to, to, to draw the reader into the book or to draw the viewer into the movie? We always need a plot. And very often, what's the plot? It's the tension of the drama, of an issue, of a challenge, of a difficulty, the person overcoming it. It's an issue of some type of an obstacle overcoming it. Because we know inherently, every single one of us knows, that this is the way of the world. But it's not good enough, good enough for us to just know that. We actually have to uh, make this a part of our very perspective so that when we're dealing with darkness in our lives, we know there's something very deep and there's a tremendous opportunity over here that every single one of us has. There's, there are a number of uh, very interesting stories about Adam, the first man, and creation, which really tell us a lot about light and darkness. You know, the Torah tells us that Adam was created on Friday and he sinned. It didn't, didn't take too much time. Adam and Eve ate from the tree, right? And once they ate from, before they ate from the tree, they were actually transparent beings to godliness. They did not experience any darkness at all in their life because they were just transparent to the light of God. They were transparent to this hidden light which they were able to absorb very easily because they were made by God. Made in heaven. Amazing. And... Suddenly they ate from the tree, and that's what, cast, that, that's what threw them into a state of darkness. But the, the Midrash tells us something very interesting, and this is relevant to Hanukkah as well. It tells us that when God created, when Adam was created and they ate from the tree, they lived through Friday, Friday night, Shabbos, Shabbos day, right? That's a day and a half. That's 36 hours. 36 hours. It was only Saturday night that God then threw them into darkness and they experienced their first night. That's the reason why, by the way, we light a Havdalah candle at the end of every Shabbos in the Havdalah service. Because that's when Adam had to find light. So he took two stones and banged them together. He made light, which is why we take a braided candle representing the two stones to, to remind us of that first time that Adam had to find light in darkness. Until then, he was illuminated by this hidden light. But now, as destiny would have it, of course, this was through Adam's action, but it was also the destiny of the world that God had wanted. Um, 
we suddenly start having to go through darkness and discovering the light on our own. And this is the reason why, corresponding to the 36 hours of illumination of this hidden light, our mystics tell us that when we light the menorah, the menorah, and for the reasons of the miracle, we light one on the first night, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. If you add up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, what does it add up to? 36. Because every one of the candles that we light on Hanukkah, every single one of those candles, is a candle that is bringing back to us the opportunity of this hidden light. That's what it's bringing back to every single one of us. The opportunity of the hidden light. Because every one of us, when we are in a state of darkness, and we choose not to get lost in it, but we choose to actually try and discover the light there, and we do, we are actually experiencing in a small way, for ourselves and for the rest of the world, the hidden light in our life. When we light the candles on Hanukkah, we have an entire holiday to remind us of one thing, of many things, but of one very important thing. And this holiday is all about lighting a candle in darkness. We light the candles at night, not during the day. And it's a reminder that this candle, as we gaze at the candles, this candle is the hidden light that God embedded into creation. It's a hidden light that every single one of us has access to if we choose to find it. And when we light that candle, what we're doing is we are taking our light that God has given every single one of us and we are walking into our darkness and we are saying that I know darkness has light. And I know that I must take this light and go into the darkness. And that is, and that is the way, that is the way I experience Hanukkah for real. It's not just a ritual. It's my life. When I light the menorah, I am experiencing my life. And so I want to conclude with this last thought. King Solomon wrote that he saw that the Sheyesh Yisron, there is an advantage to wisdom over foolishness, just as, just as there is advantage to light over darkness. What is the advantage of light over darkness? This is the advantage of light over darkness. And this is really important when we experience darkness. Darkness is overwhelming. It is enormous. We all know. We find ourselves in a state where I'm never going to get out of here. I don't know how my situation is going to change. I don't know what's going to be. We all find ourselves there, right? The advantage of light over darkness is that when you take a little flame... It's much smaller than the darkness. You can have an entire room of darkness. In, in, in quantity, the darkness is far greater than the light. Far greater than the light. But when you take a little candle, that little bit of light, and you bring it into a room full of darkness, what happens is you dispel an enormous amount of darkness. The advantage of light over darkness is that the little bit of enormous quality you have in a little bit of light can knock out so much darkness. And so when we take our Hanukkah candle, it may be a small candle, and we say, ah, it's just a small bit of light. What can I do to change this situation? Forget about how great the darkness is. Ask yourself, what little ones, one little step can I take in order to dispel this darkness? Because that's all you need. Darkness runs for its life the second it counters the, little, the, the smallest amount of, of light. So we light our candles. Tonight is the fifth night when we're already ha- we can already see more light 
than darkness. It's the five. We have more lights lit already. The majority of the lights are lit. And we remind ourselves that we look, as we look at those lights, this light is the hidden light from creation. This light is the light of my soul. This light is the light that I am going to step into the darkness with. And I don't know how I'm going to get to the end of outside of this darkness. But I do know, by bringing a little bit of light into the darkness, I am going to make a deep transformation that will somehow enlighten me on how I will get to the end. Thank you very much.